Hello, and welcome to Mean Street News as we join Karen and Katie to discuss hard truths in Ohio politics today. We want to empower you with the knowledge you need to become informed citizens ready to engage Ohio politics in your community and beyond. It's time to mean what you say and say what you mean. Here on Mean Street News, we practice the transparency we see. Hello and welcome to Mean Street News Podcast. We want to welcome you in. Hey, we're excited about a new initiative we are kicking off here at Mean Street News, Project Mo Mamas. We are emulating the Mo Equity of the Ohio Department of Education, and we are uh, wondering, do you have, uh, does the school have policing powers? Uh, any interaction with a school, superintendents, or principals regarding your child, we would love to hear about it. Um, if you felt your child uh, has been disciplined in a manner that's violated your parental rights, uh, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think, Katie? Absolutely. You know, we've had a lot of experience, personal experience right here with this. So I want to hear everybody else's stories and what they have to say. But I just want to be um, clear. We're not talking about a criminal case um, just because I think that you get in the weeds there, like as Karen likes to say. Um, but we are referring to basic disciplinary um, bullying harassment um, by like other students where then, you know, disciplinary was uh, followed up with that. Uh, counselors intervening inappropriately um, and counselors teaching class, uh, like social emotional learning. And that brings me my daughter's class. She was like, oh, we had a class today on our feelings. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and do like, what did you say, Karen, about that? That was quite interesting. Yeah. I also had an incident with my daughter that was taken to the, uh, the counselor's office and was there for an hour without a phone call to me, who I'm five minutes from my school, school district. And they, they told me that there was, you know, an extensive plan of harm and, I did not hear from them until I picked my elementary school daughter up until I picked my other middle schooler up and we were, you know, well into a panic attack and had a, um, you know, a first responder, um, I don't know what to call it, like a first responder drill like a safety drill, <laughs> many, many first responders responded and I have a sensory processing daughter. So I knew it was going to be a bad day because I received the text throughout the day and she didn't come out of the school. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Um, yeah, I got a call as I picked up my other two daughters and said, we have your daughter here in the counselor's office. And so we would love for you to hear your story. I know you had a story as well, Katie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how much I can go into my stories, but um, it, just to preface, say, you I have lit litigation, class. right? You have litigation, current pending litigation yes. with the school district. So, yeah, speak as much as you you are able. I will bring up the classroom stuff um, because that's quite interesting. Doesn't get too personal is is a teacher that is not a teacher is a counselor. That is not licensed through the Ohio Department of Education is teaching our students about social emotional learning about, you know, their feelings. And then what I found even stranger is she said, then we all share our feelings and think about the bullying 
that can happen from a kid saying, like my daughter loves dinosaurs in fifth grade. The, you know, kids kind of grow out at that point, like just maybe making fun. I mean, I don't, I couldn't even imagine in fifth grade sharing my feelings in front of my class. Like, yeah. How anxiety ridden, right? Just how, inappropriate. how much angst in your teen years did you have over everything? <laughs> a, lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. I didn't go to school. So I was that bad teen. I skipped a lot. A so, lot. yeah. So our stories are, it, lending to we want to hear from more mamas so mo mamas we mo want to mamas. Mo mo mamas. mamas we, we want to mamas involved we do we need more mamas engaged so we want you to send your story to meanstreetoh at gmail.com e what we would like to hear from you is the school district which administrator and your story, please leave out your child's name. We would like to highlight those stories each week. And if you feel comfortable, come on. We'll we'll absolutely have you on and talk to you. Or we can read it ourselves. If you want to remain anonymous, we have no problem with that. But we feel like this project is important. And you can find it on our website at meanstreetoh.com. I'm really excited about this because I think when people start seeing that this is happening throughout the entire state, because it is, we see that in the news, but putting it all together and, you know, moms really coming together to support each other through all of this. I think connecting locally in our Ohio counties, you know, will, will be helpful and, and let other parents know they're not alone. Absolutely. So let's get into another subject though, that is, that is, um, not really in, in this topic, but kids, um, we're talking about, I really want to bring up to people cause I've seen it all over Facebook as of recently. And especially with the Ohio school board meeting that just happened is the burning of books. Um, I am a true believer in, in once you burn one book that just opens the floodgates to start burning all of them. Um, we are not the Gestapo. We are not the moral police. We live in America where people have the option to subscribe to their own beliefs and own views. However, um, just like drag shows, you're not going to save the leftists from a leftist. The, these kids live in a household that holds that ideology. Um, not that I'm saying that we shouldn't you know, go to our local boards and, and say something. Thing, but America is all about freedom of choice. I don't want to burn the books. What I want to do is recategorize them, have them not in the children's section, have them, you know, put off to the side. But we, I don't agree with the books that are out. I I want to be very clear with that. But once you burn one book, all others can be held up to the fire, and that's my biggest worry. Yeah, for sure. Some young kids not even old enough to buy beer, let alone have children, have given testimony at the State Board of Education. Uh, Why not speak when you were actually a student at the high school a year or so ago? Like the young man we heard at um, the Max Miller event we were recently at. It gives me hope about the youth of our, you know, of our country and of our state that they can, you know, speak into these issues in their school. But kids at the state, the kid at the state school board was talking about a study of 150 schools, master book list, but yet he hadn't even gone to the local school board meetings to address the board itself. 
So we talk about local control and it's up to our boards to approve appropriate books and curriculum. So, I mean, honestly, it would be more appropriate to address the schools themselves in his local district. Exactly. Local control, like we always preach. Uh, I mean, thank you to the kid for his efforts. I, I really appreciate that. But but uh, going in front of the school board, I think, harms us sometimes. Um, when you're ill-prepared like that, then it does good. It makes us look like we're not prepared, that we don't understand how we are a locally controlled state. And then once again, it, it just looks like you just want to, you know, call out the board kind of, which I'm kind of like, Meh. Or you um, want to use the Ohio channel as a, you know, mechanism of making yourself known. Exactly. Um, I, I, I would, I would caution, I would, uh, my advice to that, that kid is to go, go, um, to your, uh, local school boards and maybe go to those 150. I mean, that's a, that's a project, a project, most schools, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we go there, but, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna be, uh, you'll have a bigger effort going to the school board. Who's actually in control of it and can remove, reassign, or make parents aware of the books itself. Absolutely. So I wanted to move on to another topic. We're kind of hodgepodge in it tonight. We didn't want to bore everybody with our education drivel. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot in there, isn't there? But I mentioned that we were two moms taking on, ang two angry moms uh, taking on the world, pinky in the brain style. So let's talk about that for a minute and why we say that because uh, pinky, yeah, pinky in the brain was a cartoon in our era. We're dating ourselves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny, right? It was uh, pinky in the brain were two um, lab modified mice and the brain was super brainy and poor pinky had less of a, you know, mental acumen. But and, better social sometimes and right. better like ideas. So I mean, right. And so the brain's ideas were super complex sometimes and they would fail for that reason or um, just because of Pinky being, you know, pretty simple or, you know, whatever the situation would be. But uh, we laugh at that because so um, we both ha like I'll have moments where I'm just I'm the Pinky. <laughs> well, and, and I do as well. So it, we swap, we swap yeah. Pinky in the brain. Oh, we're taking like, over the world. We're taking right? over the world. We're two angry moms taking over the world. And I love that, um, you know, we can laugh at ourselves for, you know, our ineptitudes and, and really we can put things together very, very well because we're both very bright, intelligent, angry mamas, really. <laughs> I do have one more thing to add to that is, is except when we're, when we're bickering about certain bills and we are like, you're the pinky today, brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, things, things get so complex sometimes and wading through it is arduous. So I appreciate the clarity sometimes you bring to me. Cause I'm like, Hey, what I are you talking about? I appreciate your devil's advocate. So yeah, I try to I try to think, you know, what are people going to say to us when we have these thoughts and ideas, you know, the the other side of the coin, because I always want to know both sides. I think that that knowledge is power and that's how we're best informed, right, is is hearing both sides of the argument. And that's honestly what debate and what our school board is supposed to do right. Our local bodies are supposed to do. They're they're supposed to have different opinions. They're supposed to debate it. They're supposed to have those public conversations. 
And oftentimes they don't. And it's frustrating not to hear both sides of uh, what's going on in our local governments, our state government, our, you know, federal government. So I, I appreciate that analogy. It makes me laugh and, you know, it gives us perspective. I call them the rubber stamp brigade. brigade. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause I've said that, you know, when mm. you have a body that's, you know, five to zero, you know, they've already talked like nobody agrees a hundred percent of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't agree a hundred percent of the time. Like I, don't, I don't agree 90, 60% of the time. <laughs> 60%, <laughs> right. You know, everybody Healthy. has, everybody has their two cents, right? Everybody mm-hmm. has their, uh, <laughs> their ideas. <laughs> We wanted to go on and talk about the uh, first 12 priorities of the house and why they're so imperative. So I'm going to let Katie kick this off because she uh, talks, she's actually dove into uh, economy things in her own local government. So yeah, we're we're going to try to get our charter amended um, to keep our income tax. So that actually brings me into house bill one. Thank you. Um, we in this that goes to House Bill One. Um, it is to lower and flatten our taxes to ensure all Ohioans can keep their hard-earned dollars. Um, DJ Swearingen was at a Vermillion Conservative meeting this week, and he said they were going to try to eliminate the income tax by 2026, uh, flatten Ohio's income tax rates down to a single bracket at 2.75 percent. Is what this bill would do. Um, while keeping the 1.2, oh, I'm sorry, while keeping the exemptions on the first uh, $26,000 people earn um, to pay for the tax cut, the bill proposes eliminating a $1.2 billion in payments to schools and local government because they got the answers. Um, I see this as a positive, but I see it as a negative as well. Uh, just why over, you know, with inflation, the current rate of inflation and where people are at living, you know, I think it'd be more appropriate to rescind the entire tax and altogether not wait another three years. I mean, do you want to put a comment in here, Karen? I think with how do you raise taxes without raising in taxes, inflation, the cost of goods and services. So I think the Biden administration has done a bang up job and not raising taxes. However, we're paying, you know, $20 for eggs. Mm. He raised taxes. It's called inflation. So, I mean, that's not a tax, but it's a tax on the on the the poorest of the poor and the middle class. What I do want to say, though, um, to add to that, though, is with the ESSER funds that the state has been bringing in, there should be no problem. And with other taxes, you know, our sales, our gas, everything is taxed. They should have no problem rescinding that one point two billion dollars when they're bringing in trillions. I think that it's interesting. I didn't know when we were investigating the school pandemic relief that this relief also extended into counties and municipalities. That was really interesting because I learned that with you. I didn't even, I didn't, I want people to look at the, uh, thank you for bringing that up, is the trust, the city trust, their city trust with ESSER dollars. And we're going to dig more into that and look at it with you. But we just learned that. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting data point. So um, I, yeah, it's something we'll have to dig into, but love for people to to just know those dollars, federal dollars are also going to counties and municipalities for different initiatives and programs. Infrastructure. 
Um, this is the go the house bill too. We are going to invest more um, in projects across the state to foster economic growth and community development, um, investing in if infrastructure. And my guest here is also Esther Dollars are there too. You know, think about the American Rescue Plan. It was all about, he said, infrastructure, right? Um, DJ Swearingen said on Wednesday night at the Vermilion Conservative meeting that uh, this is for infrastructure, roads, bridges, et cetera. So, you know, kind of boring um, house. Well, not boring, very important, but boring in the sense of I my husband think. works in infrastructure. And so I, I can honestly say it, it's a very busy time for the company he works for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we love our we love our workers. So I just meant like boring in the sense that people aren't going to be like, oh, the roads. <laughs> <laughs> They only complain about the potholes, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, Cleveland was the best. The the image they were drawing over them to get them filled was quite interesting. Um, so let's go to House Bill 3. It's support affordable housing development to draw additional economic opportunity. Um, I do have the sponsor of this one. It's Gail uh, Pavliga. I kind of failed on the first two. Uh, sections of the revised code um, can be amended, enacted, or repealed to authorize a tax credit to encourage the development of affordable housing. Um, what do you think about this one? You know, I'm terrible with numbers, uh, but to me, this talks about businesses and, and bringing new residents into Ohio and affordable housing for those new residents, not the residents of Ohio that are actually here, but, you know, the new people that come in as, you know, a response to, you know, these new businesses that we've, you know, um, lassoed into the state. Well, it's very interesting. I want people to go back to the finance committee, uh, 12, 13, 2000, uh, 2022. I know cause it's my son's birthday. That's when they met at 10 o'clock at night. There was a lot of aid in there for, uh, non, non citizens, um, of a certain war or maybe war that might be happening. I don't know. Anyways. So let's go on to, <laughs> Let's go on to uh and my my other thought real quick is Intel or Ford coming in. They need the workforce, they need bodies, they need housing because you know they're not gonna pay the livable wage. Well, I don't know. Anyways, um so House Bill 4, ensure an open market with diversified investment portfolios, banning ESG. Now I want people to watch this bill because the language of it is what kind of puts my antenna up. Um, this legislation will deal with the state, 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 state contracts between government entities, government entities, government entities, and financial institutions and companies, state, state, state pensions, retirement system, boards of trustees for state universities and state state colleges. I have a stutter tonight. Um, and the Bureau of Workers <laughs> Compensation um, and the Bureau of Workers Compensation. It will also deal with access to capital for numerous groups, industries, and consumers. Sponsors are Tom Young and Angela King. Now, I think it's interesting. We need to watch who those, you know, groups, industries, and consumers will be. State. That's for the state. 
real estate not to get an ESG because they would fail. Um, anyways, uh, what is an ESG? People really don't even know what this is. No, and it, I want to clarify, it's coming through the financial system. It's coming through the financial system. And that's why we've highlighted much of the financial grants and grant programs and systems attached to those financial uh, funding of the plan. Because it's part of the plan. Um, So what is an ESG score? It's an environmental, social, environmental, social, and governance, environmental, social and governance investing refers to a set of standards that socially conscious investors use to screen investments. Now <laughs> social you, credit system. Oh, China system. <laughs> we need to get a button. China. Anyways, um China. China. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what's really interesting, and I didn't even tell you this yet, um, it was about three hours, two hours before we made this uh, map up today. It was just introduced to the Congressional Senate, a bill that would codify, listen, a bill that would codify the Department of Labor's new rule permitting retirement plan fiduciaries to consider climate change and other environmental, social, and governance factors when selecting investments that has been introduced in the Senate today. Uh, they won't be uh, They won't be investing in the railway here in Ohio, Southern Norfolk, will they? <sighs> Freaking horrible people. This uh, It's called the, the Freedom to Invest in a Sustainable Future Act. Now, people don't understand what this is, right? So let's get to the last point, and then I want Karen to to do our thing because it's our thing and it's fun. Uh, National Review said it best. Um, and I will, and I will put the article in this bottom of this podcast, um, environmental, social, and governance, ESG investment practices, distract investors and corporate management from maximizing long-term profitability, which is often achieved through innovation, cost control, and customer force. By diverting attention away from priorities that align with increased productivity and toward a shifting array of inconsistently defined social impact criteria and the ESG orientation is a long-term threat to continued economic growth. And that's because it is social investing. You don't support a- It's ever-changing. Cancel culture could affect your investing essentially, right? Exactly. Exactly. So so Karen, what do you you think about uh, ESGs? Yeah, unwoke investing, not a thing. You invest in what yields you a return on your investment. Bingo. My dad, remember when we were first talking about that? My dad's like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, we uh we have the same we have the same investing broker. Yeah. Um so so I want to talk about uh House Bill 5, uh priorities of the house in in the first 10, right? I I want to just mention that we saw uh Sharon Ray at the Max Miller event and her hot take on the speaker fight the blue 22. We we can talk about it or we we hadn't planned on it but here Let's is do it. I'm okay. I you know, I, I feel like the blue 22 
it it's crying over spilled milk at this point, right? I mean, a little bit, just a little bit. I see where people are upset. Like, do not take that away. Like, we were we were just as upset. We organized to get county. Yeah, we we, we, we had an initiative. Organized. Yeah, we had yeah. an initiative. We helped. Well, we helped with an initiative mm-hmm. that uh, tried to bring some of these candidates. Yeah, two disciplinary committees within their local county parties, their local GOPs. Um, what did Sharon Ray say at, at the recent event we heard her talking about? Uh, I thought that was interesting. She said it was a boys fight. She said it. Well, they basically pretty much had the same agenda and it was just boys being boys and fighting over power and control pretty much. And lo and, and behold, she became, you know, leadership. She wasn't part of the Blue 22. It wasn't, it wasn't assistant, assistant, assistant majority whip. Yes. In the house. Um, and you know, she said there were some communication issues with Marin, uh, granted, she said it was awful. He had a death in the family, but she said same kind of antics played out with, uh, householder, same kind of antics played out. I, I feel like. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of money gets thrown around at that time, right? Mm. A lot of money gets thrown around at that time. And so that happens in the speaker fight. Traditionally, we know that uh, we've learned that if you don't yes. know that a lot of money gets thrown around at the, at, at the, during the speaker fight. And we, you know, we've looked at campaign finance and, and our hot take is what we feel like they're kind of all in the same tank together give or take, you know, I I feel, I mean, they can say what they want in front of the camera on, you know, whatever show they want to. At at the end of the day, you know, we've talked about this before. They're having a steak dinner and they're having, you know, cocktails. Um, that that's my opinion. And I don't know what your hot take is, but that's my hot take. I feel like everyone has got the same agenda. We're on the same team. How we get there, you know, like the state board, these are the standards, how we get there, you know, is anybody, anybody can decide that. Yes. What I do wish, what I really do wish with the blue 22 though, is like, and that's one of my, I know we're a little off topic here is my biggest thing is I wish they would have voiced it before, before that vote. Right. That's my question. Did they take an official vote? Did they take an official vote in the caucus? I, I don't know. I've not heard anybody say that. Or they they did, and they pledged to vote for those people. That's what we're hearing from some. We didn't hear that from Sharon Ray at that mm-hmm. event, that they took an official vote and they did not keep their word. So that's what I, like, if you're going to take a vote in your caucus, then you should have enough, you know, cojones to say, yeah, not for me. Now, I did hear that there were threats uh, to campaigns, to finances. People, you know, somebody said to me the other night that people were worried about their parking spots and offices. <laughs> Shut up. You <laughs> didn't. I'm not going to say who. It's just, <sighs> I, I was, I was just utterly shocked. I'm like, they will just have to walk a little bit further. So. Right. I don't think so, though. That doesn't make any sense. What we'll I think send were- them some you know, tennis shoes for their walk. Yeah. And what I think people were upset about is the loyalty. Your word is, is your bond. And we believe that mean what you say and say what you mean. Yes. 
Agreed. Transparency. We practice the transparency we seek. So if you don't want this person, like go ahead and say it at that time. We don't, we don't need to mince words. It's good. We can all agree to disagree. However, say it in the moment and not after the fact when, you know, somebody's having a family issue or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, will we get to the bottom of that? I don't know. We had heard also that they were going <laughs> to install, you know, Derek Marin by June. I don't know how that's a thing. It's not a thing. I, I don't know that that's a possibility. I don't know what mechanism they're talking about to do that. And what's the right? What's the point? Committees have been assigned. Um, you, know, you know, legislation has been prioritized. So what's the it's point? It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. And it's not good. Well, and I, I think it just echoes what's going on in, in the Republican Party right now. Right. I mean, the I division know, in the. The different factions of our party. I know, but we want to unify so badly. Like, and, and and I'm not saying unify where we all agree. There is no such thing in, in a caucus like that. I'm going to tell you that right now. But be adults. Let's grow up. Let's be honest. And move forward as a unified party. Because I'll tell you this, no matter what the Democrats do and might hate each other here, there, another way, they would never split like that and show the split and show the fracture. And I understand some people maybe yeah, feel like they were put in a position. Yeah. Cause Russo said, you know, it's advantageous for us to, you know, to see that divide in their caucus. It's advantageous for the Democrats. Quit it. They're watching. Quit it. Like get it together. Right. So anyways, onward and upward to uh house <laughs> bill five. Okay, so and she brought up she, she brought it up because Sharon Ray is the sponsor. So is uh, Rachel Baker. This is uh, make adoption more accessible and affordable for loving Ohio families. Um, all this bill says is they're going to modernize adoption. It really it's a couple sentences. It doesn't tell like the intent or how. Um, but I did want to make a comment. The cost of adoption in Ohio right now can range from ten thousand to twenty five thousand dollars. So maybe. <laughs> some more tax incentives and maybe some more grants to us be at this process, but I love it. Pro-life, pro-adoption, people get out of the yeah, system. Absolutely. absolutely. So that's kind of really all I want to say about that one. And then my last bill that I'm going to go over with you guys, where we turn it over to the great Karen to go over the last end of the end of the session is house bill six. Uh, we're going to protect the integrity of girls sports and make certain that biological males cannot compete in female only athletic, female only athletics. Um, Save Women's Sports Act was HB 151 last uh, session. It did not pass, I think, because of 178, which was due mm -hmm. Department of Education workforce. Those those people tried to shove it in last minute. It was called yeah. log rolling, Karen. Yeah, add everything but the kitchen sink to whip those votes. I liked it. Everything but the kitchen sink. Throw the kitchen sink at it, too. Throw the kitchen and sink. They sure did. So what I did like is, you know, um, we need to protect our females. There is a biological difference. And I do want to quote one study. Um, Duke Law just recently, this last year, did a study because of all this stuff. And they took uh, they took a single year of uh, a single year, 2017 of. I'm just going to read it. The number of men and boys beating the world's best women in the 100 and 400 meters is far from the exception. It's the rule. 
to demonstrate this, we compared the top women's results to boys and men's results across multiple standard track and field events just for 2017. Their data drawn from the International Association of Athletics Federation website, which provides complete worldwide results for the individuals and events, including an on annual and all-time basis. What they found was, I mean, three times, they beat, they beat these girls by three times their score. And that's also because there's, uh, you would know this, is there's a link, a biological, like more blood vessels or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a biological difference between it's it's not just, you know, our X, 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 Y, but there's physiological differences in muscle mass and, you know, how we're skeletally uh, made up. And that's where we always say is like, where are we protecting our girls? I get it. People want to have like these rights because they think that, you know, they can be a woman because they put on makeup and put on a dress. But we know, we know. There is so much more to being a woman than my makeup and my dress and my boobs and the way I look. You know what well, I mean? I think it's interesting. There was a, a correction to a study. So in a neighboring district, they're actually having this debate as we speak in the school district, Shelby, uh, school district, Shelby, Ohio. Yeah. And they are, their policy is including transgender students in the restrooms. And there was a study that was corrected, like a correction to a peer-reviewed study that said these transgender individuals having surgery does not improve their mental health outcome. Let me say that again. Transgender individuals having uh, surgery, what do we call it? Um, Gender reassignment surgery does not, does not improve their mental health outcome. So affirming care is not going to get them mentally where they need to be. So to me, that seems like, okay, can we now start talking about socially affirming them? Because it's not going to help their mental health either. If we know the end of the line is gender reassignment and it's not helping their mental state, then why would socially affirming them also help their mental state? And that was my point when I was speaking into that issue in that adjacent school district. And I think it's so interesting because the state, based on their um, SRARP plan, they knew what the statistics were back in 2017, 2018 of the suicide rates, depression rates being, I think it was uh, 30, it was 20, I don't know, quote me and be like, she's wrong. But it right. Like, it's high. It It's right. It's very, very high. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on this one. I think I have four girls. I know you have girls as well. And three, you know, protecting our girls in the public school system and beyond into their collegiate careers is important for scholarship opportunities. You know what I mean? Um, have a women's rights. We didn't go through women's right. suffrage for nothing. Yeah, suffrage, suffrage. Can you imagine what these women might think today? They would be like, what in the earth are you doing? I exactly. want to know where the feminists are personally uh, on this, you know, particular, you know, save women's sports. I don't think that men sh- by, <clears throat> I don't think men that identify as women 
They are biological men should be competing in women's sports. Like let's make a transgender, right? Let's make a transgender. Yeah. Let's make a third category yeah. if, if that's what we want to do. But if especially because like the swimmers, the swimmers killed me. That girl crying. Well, like the track that. and field, isn't there like a, there's a woman, a uh, young woman in the college track and field. I forget her name, but she has uh, been openly about these men competing in her sport and absolutely decimating them and ruining their chances for, you know, uh, collegiate scholarships and, you know. She brought up that one. I think it's the same woman. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure she brought up like the fact that they were never asked about like the changing rooms and stuff. Like nobody even ever approached them and they're having to change in front of somebody who's anatomically a man, like, and why they're staring, why you stared at. And Ugh. she's like, nobody asked us. How about that? No. Nobody asked them. Uh, that's, that's disappointing. Me that's too. disappointing. And, you know, it, frightening. And, you know, and I know that, you know, oftentimes in theater, men and women, you know, have to make quick changes. I get <clears> it. And that's, you know, that's an acceptable thing in that field. But when Boys. you're, you're preparing for a, you know, sporting event, you don't expect a man to be in your dress, your, you know, locker room. No, and like, have a choice. Give them an option. Right. Give them another, you know, another place to be if yes. that's, you know, the, the thing. So, yeah. I appreciate this. And I, I'm sad that it had to, that it was attached to Senate bill 178 in the lame duck session Me because, and, and I'm so thankful that they didn't pass it. And because of that, I think that they stood firm and I'm, I, I'm grateful that they did. I am too. For Nobody wants to see this passed more than, you know, every conservative us. in Ohio. Right. <laughs> and, you know, they attached it to, you know, a bill about education. And I'm super grateful that, you know, many among the House members saw through it because that would have been terrible. That bill on its face would have been terrible. Not the things that they added to it, because I think genuinely Ohioans stand on those, you know, those, uh, that moral ground. But the fact that they saw through, hey, they're adding all of this to get us to vote for this is like a bad thing. Well, just to get it passed. I mean, because the, they couldn't get it passed any other way. So let's shove it in a bill, everybody. I mean, and that bill was combined with another one. So it was like two things we wanted versus the one thing we did. Right. And thank God. Thank right. God. It was, yeah, it was an act of God. I'm going to tell you right now. So I'm going to go on to talk about House Bill 7. It provides a strong foundation for both mothers and babies in their first 1,000 days to address maternal and infant mortality. So Pregnancy Associated Mortality Review Committee is asking the question in Ohio, if the woman had not been pregnant, would she still have died? Ohio's rate is of maternal mortality is 21.3 deaths. I love the 0.3. You can't have a 0.3 of a human, but statistics deaths per 100,000 births from 2018 to 2020. And that's the most recent data we have um, was already slightly above the national average per the last CDC data. So women in the United States are more likely to die from childbirth or problems related to pregnancy than women in other high income countries, which I find an interesting kind of data point. So improving the quality of medical care for women before, during, and after pregnancy can help reduce maternal mortality. Infant mortality is the death of an infant before his or her first birthday. In 2020, the infant mortality rate in Ohio fell 
to 6.7 from 6.9 in 2019 for all races. And we know that infant, uh, maternal infant mortality for African-Americans is about three times what it is for Caucasians. And that holds true in Ohio as well. And interestingly enough, I read a whole report on premature births in the U.S. Dramatic, dramatically dropping amid the pandemic. So this bill for me will be interesting to see what they plan to address in those first 1,000 days in this piece of legis legislation. Um, what do you, what do you, did I tell you something you didn't know, Katie? Yeah, you told me the that the during the pandemic that mm -hmm. the the premature rate. Do you think that's because of women working late into their pregnancy and stress induced, and maybe people mm -hmm. were sent home during the pandemic or something? What do you think? I, what do you think? I think the reduction on? in premature that <clears throat> the reduction was in them seeing the premature babies in the hospital setting. So what I think happened is that they went, everyone went home. <laughs> essential, not essential, at least here in Ohio. I know a lot, uh, uh, many across the nation were as well. I know some states didn't, um, didn't, you know, come into that, you know, kind of process, but in Ohio, essential, not essential. And so across the nation, they saw a reduction in premature babies in healthcare facilities. And they believe it's because of the lack or, or the, amount of intervention they were not providing normally. So they would normally intervene, um, you know, in a normal <laughs> essential time where they didn't intervene in a non-essential, we were under health orders, you know, everybody stay home and do your thing. So they, it, there was a whole thing about where, I, th I think it was actually titled, where are the preemies? was the title of the article I read. And, and it just struck me as, as very, very interesting. And, um, you know, that aligns with, I'm in healthcare. So healthy people, healthy people, 2030 is the newest global goals. And that 100% aligns with those <laughs> global initiatives. And I'll be interested to see what those, you know, 1000 days, what their targeting looks like. Oh, God. So House Bill 8 is preserve the fun fundamental role that parents play in the education of their children. You blogged about this, Bill, when it dropped in the, you know, in the last this session. This bill is because of me, by the uh, way. <laughs> thank you. DJ thank you. admitted this last uh, uh, Wednesday. He admitted that because me at the time, Eric uh, Jones, who's in Vermilion, and I went to a Women's Federation meeting. And DJ was there talking about the CRT and SCL. Like everybody likes to just, you know, talk about that. And we were like, what about Parents' Bill of Rights and Education? What about this? And I held him to the fire. I mean, I, I followed up with DJ. Then he followed up with me in July and was like, hey, we have this going. Probably not going to go through this year, but we're going to introduce it. Um, we knew that it wasn't going to go through, but, you know, because it didn't have any sponsors on it. But this is a priority in the House. And I'm really excited because there is nothing right now in federal or state code that says I, that I can point to that says they're they're mine. Social, right. emotional, physical, mine. Yeah. So you blogged about this. So go to MainStreetOH.com. It's titled Ohio Legislature Introduces Parental Bill of Rights in Education. It was uh, House Bill 20, 722 in the previous legislative session. 
Um, but essentially it would require the Board of Education to adopt a policy to promote parental involvement in the public education system, to notify parents of sexually explicit content, and provide specific instructional material of the explicit subjects. So if requested for a review by parents, which I've tried to get on a, you know, parent stakeholder review committee <laughs> unsuccessfully, the school must provide and give parents the option to opt out and provide alternative instructions for students. So schools must notify parents of any changes in the student services or monitoring related to their mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being. And I thought the greatest part of this bill was districts must adopt a policy and process to address any written concerns within 30 days of receipt. Schools must notify parents of their rights to file a written complaint. And, and DJ uh, said about this that in Ohio, we prioritize parents taking an active role in their child's life. And Sarah Carruthers also commented on House Bill Ed. I know she's one of the blue 22, but Stevens is part of the House Um leadership. So she's, he. yeah. And so is DJ said, it's my goal to have schools and parents work hand in hand for the student. So we found some of the late uh, language issues in the previous session. We spoke into those and we expect those to be fixed in this session going forward. What I love about this bill though, is it get, it's like the one bill that gives us uh, a means to fight the school. Like, i.e. we have 30, we, we can file a grievance. They have 30 days to respond. Yeah. Now, you, the that, language right now states what, like a reasonable, a reasonable amount of time. It, there's no specified time. Well, this is to address grievances, which is on a whole different field, not just like a records request. This is like to address the grievance of the parent, like me, like my school board won't talk to me. Who do you go to? When no one will speak to you. That's ridiculous in and of itself. An attorney, but, you know. <laughs> right. I.E. Right. Um, so educating our communities, House Bill 9, uh, addresses the teacher retention crisis. So I know you mentioned 151, and this was a part of that package in the last legislative session. It was talking about replacing Ohio teacher residency programs with local mentorship prior to the amendment and juggernaut sub-bill 151 in the lame duck session. That bill would have made changes to the three components of the Ohio Teacher Residency Program, mentoring, counseling, and measures for appropriate progression through the program. So uh, like a successful completion of a resident educator summative assessment or RESA. So I'm guessing some of those similar components will be in this bill. Of course, shortages also vary substantially across states and districts, largely due to differentials in pay and working conditions. So, you know, many issues to consider as we talk about retaining teachers here in Ohio as, as this moves through the House. House Bill 10 is to secure commitment for the fair school funding. And that is based on the cost of providing a quality education. In the previous legislative session, this was House Bill 305. This is what the Women's League of Voters says about this. Consider the source. Um, you know, Democrats are largely in favor of this. And so I'm just going to tell you what the Women's League of Voters has to say about it. The plan is based in reality and accounts for the financial capacity of 611 different school districts and the needs of 1.6 million children. In doing so, it emphasizes equity in our school system through the use of disadvantaged pupil impact aid. We've discussed equity. We've discussed pupil impact aid. 
provides every student access to a public school with adequate resources for a research-based, high-quality education, regardless of their needs or the wealth of their community. It makes funding predictable and school district budgets possible, planning to fund, not funding to plan, reduces reliance on local property taxes, and rebalances the shared responsibility of the state and local funding sources for public schools. The state of Ohio will begin to directly fund charter schools and private schools uh, vouchers so that no local tax dollars are siphoned away from the local school district budgets. Now, I want to say here, I did read partnerships with community schools, which we've also discussed community schools. I wish you all could see my face right now because I am like, yes, I, I didn't have a chance to tell you this before. Uh, amid my research, I, it kind of dawned on me as well. Local schools will be will be sponsoring. There's two different sponsors of uh, community schools in our state. Our state is like no others. It's not. <laughs> it's not set up. Our school systems, right? It's maddening. It's the thing. It's the thing. It two. Right. Ohio school districts are not set up like many other states. And I know that many other states are advocating for this school choice. And, you know, uh, Utah, uh, gosh, how many, what other states, Katie, other, other Arizona school choice, Indiana, Illinois, Illinois, I don't know, but many other states have passed this school choice uh, legislation, but I'm telling you, they are not set up like Ohio's schools are and you know we're still trying to get to the bottom of it so i don't expect our listeners to 100% get it but i'm going to tell you right now that these there's two different types of community schools in ohio one is state sponsored by the ohio department of education and one can be sponsored by school district superintendents by a board hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, by a board that, you know, does this for a living. Um, So that's what they're talking about, you know, charter schools and private school partnerships. That's what they're talking about. So when people are saying charter schools are the answer, well, I have a, I mean, well, some, but, you know, again, what happens when those teachers want to unionize? We've had this conversation over and over and over. How about we ask Andrew Brenner? what a community school was, and he won't define it. Right. I mean, I don't even think our legislators know. So I think it was set up originally for a purpose, and then it was slowly not. Well, I think over time, what we found is it right. It was it was set up one way, and over time, it kind of evolved into something else. But the state of Ohio will begin to directly fund charter schools and private school vouchers so that no local tax dollars are siphoned away from the local school district budgets. Okay. Strengths are systems of public education for the benefit of our democracy and Ohio's future. Democracy. What we don't live in a democracy, we live in a republic. Republic, right. So state rep Jamie Callender said House Bill 10. Being priority legislation indicates this General Assembly's commitment to funding traditional public schools. I disagree. With this continued phase in, there's already studies of this fair school funding because it's partially 
funded the last legislative session and will be completely funded this legislative session. He said, we are able to significantly reduce the local school district's reliance on property taxes, but nobody's talking about Ohio lottery funds. Um, I will say it. I did send you an article about the Ohio lottery funds because I think I found your answer to that, but not your answer, but a piece of that puzzle. I sent, I think two days ago, but um, we were in the middle of a bunch of different things, but uh, I did want to say about the reduced property tax. Our treasurer at Vermillion said that in five years, there is going to be a need for an increase. And this was two years ago. So that's three years that he wants to propose an increase. So they're not going to, they're saying they're not going to rely on it. Why is our treasurer saying otherwise? That's an interesting point. So Anything with focus on equity makes me uncomfortable. We've talked about it. We've talked about the Disadvantaged People Act or Impact Aid. And that's kind of, you know, a a sticking point for me. So I just want our listeners to know, consider the source, the uh, Ohio, uh, what did I say, the Women's Voter League, and do your homework. I think by thoroughly understanding the legislation and the unconstitutionality of the school funding debate in Ohio, this has, you know, major advantages and disadvantages. So we need to, you know, continue to speak into this piece of legislation because I think that we need to be, you know, reconsidering how we fund our schools, but we need to also be, you know, (laughs) picking out those red flag areas that, you know, may cause issues down the road. So House Bill 11, (laughs) create a child first model for education, allowing students to have their educational funding, follow them to the school that best suits their needs. That's the backpack bill. In theory, the money following the child and funding the child and not the public institution is certainly appealing. And, And listen, guys, I was the first person that was on board with this. However, when companies like Merit oversee children's backpack accounts, it becomes a whole other type of system, a data mining system. It's not just Merit, it's Ripple and and Panorama as well. Yes. And Ripple and Ripple, the Ripple effects thing that I found now has a uh, a fiat, a a crypto coin, whatever the heck. Well, this this is unique because Merit has digital credentialing and digital identification. So this, you know. Well, Ripple has digital digital coins. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, we need to look more into that. Anyways. And so, you know, a company by the name of Merit, is currently contracted with the Ohio Department of Education for the After School Child Enrichment Program, or ACE, that Senator Reinecke discussed in his Senate Bill 1 testimony, sponsor testimony, as a failure. He said the ACE program was a failure. But Merit was contracted to oversee these ACE accounts, these backpack accounts for this $500 um I don't know, what would you call it? After school enrichment. So it could be anything from like tutoring to music lessons to. I feel like they're set. I feel like they're setting up these accounts for something else. Cause why would you need this huge account system for $500? Be able to get people a check. Well, and that's my point is it's for the backpack bill. I, I'm I not think, good at the backpack bill. We fought about this one. Yeah, I, I think that Merit, the ACE was the pilot program for the backpack bill. 
um, to find if these accounts adequately and accurately followed these kids and they were able to, you know, get the data from them they needed? No, my thing is those, the ACE program just started, I thought. It it did. It did. So, I mean, we're, we're still in the infancy of that program. I don't okay. think that the house intended it to be that way. And that's why Reineke is, you know, touting it as, as a failure because they expected it to be much further along than it was. But I honestly think that some of our elected officials drug their feet and or fought over this, you know, not being appealing to parents, data mining. Why do we need this kind of company to, you know, administer these kind of accounts? I, I think it was a sticking point among many of our state board members. So, uh, this merit is a platform for verified digital identity and digital credentialing, which I have discussed before and you can find on our YouTube channel titled Data Mining of Ohio Students and Schools. So Rep. Riordan, I think I'm saying that right, McLean uh, of Upper Sandusky said, this bill seeks to find the right educational opportunities for each of these children throughout Ohio. And I know we will be interested in discovering how this will be accomplished and by what company, because I'm going to tell you, I think that it's going to be merit is going to administer this, this backpack bill. I think we need to do look into ripple though, as well, because they're very similar in companies. I'm starting to realize. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's a, a perfectly great suggestion. And, you know, we always learn things from one another as we do these things. So House Bill 12, and we really wanted to extend into not just the first 10 priorities of the House, but we wanted to call your attention to just outside of that, as it is in the Senate, just outside of those 10 priorities, um, is House Bill 12, which cal recalibrates the state's approach to education to serve Ohio students better for career readiness. Representative Don Jones uh, from Freeport said, Ohio students will always be our top priority, and it's our responsibility to ensure the state, the state, is giving these kids the best opportunities for success in every capacity, and to continue our current system is to support the decline, and that is unacceptable. So he's echoing Senator Reineke's uh, sponsored testimony and saying that the state board is failing. Well, this is simply a sister bill to our good friend, Senate Bill 1. Hello, I'm the government. I'm here to help you. So yikes. I mean, expanding government, not limiting it. Isn't that like a core tenet of our conservative values? So we sincerely hope that the House has a better vision for the sister bill of Senate Bill 1. Our good friend, do Director of Education and Workforce. So please see Katie's overview on her cocktails with Katie on our Facebook page. Attention to our website and YouTube. We will be doing overviews of all these bills as they change because, Karen, do they change? Like you said, a lot of these are placeholders and, um, you know, like 178 was a placeholder. We saw it a month in advance and then all of a sudden, you know, a hundred, what, 2000 pages. It was ridiculous. So yeah, they change and we don't want to, um, 
we don't want to, you know, dive in until we have all the information. And although we have lingering questions about uh, the Blue 22, as we, you know, discussed earlier, um, at this point, the House agenda is solid, and we know they're continuing to all work together. And we know that from looking at their campaign finance, like we talked about before. So regardless of what they say, like I said, out in the public, they're all in the same, you know, same swimming pool. Swimming in the same direction. So it's about where where DeWine's power lies, I feel like. I agree with Karen. We need to move forward. There's a uh, there's continued political chatter about June, like we said. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's false hope. It would further put us behind. And that's not that's not a thing. Um, agenda, the agenda set. The committees were assigned. It's time to move forward. I'm not saying our trust should be with these members. When someone shows you who they are, trust them. But we have a mission that is building our conservative base and getting the young adults in our state involved and excited to participate in government. And that's where that's where all of our focus should be. Yeah, getting our base excited. So we just want to thank you for, you know, following us. Uh, along today on our what kind of what's happening in Ohio, we'd like you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Truth Social. Add Katie and I. Our handles are at Red Right Queen and at That Karen four one nine on Truth at Kr Kiefer is my handle. Hers is the same on Truth Red Right Queen, and of course Mean Street's handle is at Mean Street Oh for all our social media. Thanks, Karen. And uh, me, uh, I love that you're that Karen because I just love it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you email us your stories. Don't forget about Mo Mamas because more mamas need to be involved in in what's going on with our kids. Um, we're going to uh, email us your stories uh, to be featured on Mean Street News and visit our site, www.meanstreetohio.com if you'd like to support our research and our and our work and our podcast us trying to get some information to the people or uh, if you want some information regarding health education legislation and local government um if you ever want to just uh donate to our cause you like what we're doing you can find uh send it directly to paypal.me and then it's uh mean street ohio thank you make sure to join us next time here on mean street news thanks guys See you next time. Thank you for joining us on Mean Street News today. If you would like to support our work, please go to www.meanstreetoh.com to donate. Your generous contribution will help fund our mission. Be sure to tune in next time on Mean Street News, where we mean what we say and we say what we mean. Stay focused, Ohio.